research and development. I'm Rory and I'm Dara and we'd like to welcome you to the show. Uh, so the show's kind of concept is that we go away and we research a topic for the week and then we come back to you guys our listeners and we develop that topic and we develop as people and hopefully you our listeners will develop alongside us. So on today's show we're going to be talking about the Northern Bank heist uh, which was an Irish kind of mystery an unsolved mystery continuation in my kind of little sub 
genre kind of thing yes, yes. Uh, over the next few weeks. Uh, and that, that's going to be in the second half of the show. But in the first half of the show, which was kind of brought in and introduce your kind of topic by the song Year 3000 by Busted. <laughs> Dara's going to be talking about the future. Isn't that the future, yeah, not just the future in general, <laughs> because that would be that would be infinitely long. It would, actually. So, well, hopefully. Hopefully, yeah, hopefully. Imagine if the universe just like, you know what we've done? It's going to be Murphy's Law. The universe is just going to implode and now, it's not going to be yeah, the future. If, if you hear this episode, that hasn't <laughs> happened. But if you don't, you know what has happened. You know when this is going up? In the future. It is in the future. See, there we go. And that concludes our show. For <laughs> That's topic one done. Yeah, topic one done. But, um, ad break. Ad, ad break is right. Oh, God. So, uh, yeah, obviously it's not just the future. I'm yes, yeah. So I'm going to talk about some of the ways technology could change the world by 2025. So bear in mind, this is, you know, four and a bit years away. Mm. So 2025, even though when you hear the year in your head, you're like, that's way away. Yeah. It's not. And a lot of the technology that I'll be talking about are actually in production right now. Oh, so it's like achievable or has already been achieved kind of thing. Like the funny thing is I am holding <laughs> in my hand a piece of technology yes. that is mentioned here. Oh, wow. But really? it's just uh, an iPhone. Just an <laughs> iPhone. An iPhone. But it's just that the uh, it's potential hasn't been developed fully. Okay. That potential being 5G, which I'll get on to. Oh my God. Oh, can I say that? Uh, yeah. I think we can say yeah. that. Anyway, uh, that is so weird because I've just spent literally the last two weeks researching 5G. 5G, yeah. Yeah, for, for basically a project talking about new technologies. New technologies That's of brilliant. 5G. That Ties is really in. cool. Booyakasha. <laughs> right. Oh. So obviously one of the biggest advancements that will occur in technology will be the use of AI. Oh, wow, yes. Artificial intelligence. And the thing about AI is there's a lot of pros to it. Mm. So, uh, for example, in um, there'll be AI-optimized manufacturing. So it's really going to revolutionize the whole design process. Okay. So if you think about um, just how important supply chains are uh, today. So basically what supply chains manage to do are they manage to sort of allocate the resources in as an like efficient way as possible so like you won't have as much wasted energy mm. and materials and the most important thing in any business is time yes with the use of ai the computer will be able to allocate the resources in an efficient and effective way so that the sort of the loss in resources is minimized so that's gonna you know Basically, the sky is the limit in terms of the amount of money people are going to make oh, through it's, AI. It's, it's crazy. It is crazy. But like the funny thing is, it's not just AI. It's big data. Yes. Data analysis is at the forefront of anything these days. Oh, 100%. And you're seeing so many new jobs that are being created through the use of big data. Mm. So by 2025 like data and AI are going to merge together seamlessly to develop a whole new business experience in the field of commerce. And and as exciting as that is, it definitely has its cons as well because, you know, with data breaches and everything oh, like that... Oh, for sure. There's the kind of humanity in that side that was yeah. humanity's fault. You know, like Cambridge Analytica. Yes. There's people trying to make money 
that led to that. But usually, you know, kind of ethics and everything like that, humans have ethics. Yeah. And all, I'm just playing devil advocate. Yeah. No, advocate it's good. Here. It's good. Just playing devil advocate. That, you know, an AI, unless you kind of program it to have ethics, it's not going to no, it maybe won't. develop it. It won't. And the other thing I'd like to point out is, even though AI will, you know, develop massively and yes. that'll take over a lot of the, like the, you know, building cars, yes. you know, planes, yes. stuff like that where stuff is the same. What you'll see is, in my opinion, I think there'll be a big uh, demand in products that are actually, you know, personalised. Yeah. So carpentry might take a whole new level because you're going to see AI is going to make everything, like, the same. Mm. There'll be little unique product products on the marketplace. Yes. There won't be as many. So I actually think there could be an upsurge in, you know, designer items that are bespoke to yeah. you to differentiate you from the crowd. So that could be interesting. That so even though people say, oh, this is the end of human labor, I actually think it could mm. open a new market. Ah, uh, I get you. Because like people, people always crave for to be different, yes. to stand out in a yes. crowd. Well, mo I say people, like yeah. quite a few people, most people, you know, introverted people possibly would not like to, you know, do that as much. Yeah. And each their own, that's not a criticism. Yeah. But as you're saying, there is a market to stand out, you oh, know, there kind is. of thing, oh, even today. So yeah. I think definitely what you're saying is Yeah, is it's funny. True. But um, another big area is quantum computing, <gasps> oh, which is very cool. That's so exciting. <laughs> very exciting. And the funny thing is that is occurring at the moment. They have built... I think the world's first quantum computer. I think it was IBM. Oh, wow. But the problem with them is they're unfeasible at the moment because you have to have them cooled to a really low degree. Like, okay. So, like, nearly at zero Kelvin. But can I ask, why is that? As far as I know, it's to allow for the, the molecules transferring ah. the information to slow down. Okay, because they'd be going too quick yeah, otherwise. Yeah, so okay, the thing okay. about quantum computing is that, as far as I know, it can solve problems so much quicker than ordinary computers because it can compute way more permutations like per second in an instant. Yes. It can basically compute nearly every permutation at once. Oh, wow. And it's using different types of uh, quantum physics, like, su I think, superposition, where you have... <laughs> Basically, the thing is, I'm holding a little... Obviously, you can't see. If you can, <laughs> you're some sort of alien. But I'm holding a little piece of rolled-up chewing gum wrapper in my hand. Tiny. Yes. And if I was to flake this across the room like I did there... <laughs> <But you> did. <laughs> the whole thing about superposition is that that molecule is tied to another one. Quantum entanglement. Oh. In another part of the universe. And by me throwing that is going to indirectly affect something... Like, I don't know where, it's some sort of supernova or something. So it's like, basically, you throwing that tinfoil, that piece of gum wrapper there, yeah. was, in essence, a voodoo doll. But everything's a voodoo yeah, doll. Yeah, yeah. So when you threw that over there, if you threw a voodoo doll over there, yeah. that would have potentially moved and hurt the person that the voodoo doll was created for. But what you're saying is that absolutely everything is a voodoo doll. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> everything. And it's funny, this... The like applications of quantum computing isn't just in obviously the computer field or doing you know calculations. It's so much more mm. than that. 
And one major application of this new kind of computer will be in the the drug development. Not <laughs> recreational drugs, obviously, but like in medicines. Oh, that's brilliant. Because if you think about it, if you're going to take a disease like the coronavirus hmm. and you use a, a supercomputer to analyse the molecular structure and then go through every sort of combination of um, drugs or whatever to combat that at once oh. it's way quicker yes so you'll be able to come up with new medicines that have so little side effects compared to ones um, today presently yeah so, so that's gonna revolutionize medicine and you wouldn't think that a computer could but it will but you know what's super cool about that uh not just you know super computer yeah yeah that was very good but um you know when we eventually, and I, I like to think we will, you know, explore the stars yeah. and everything like that. One of the biggest worries, and I think it was portrayed quite well in the War of the Worlds. When yeah. spoiler alert to anyone who hasn't read, watched, or heard the the radio drama. Yeah, yeah. Um, great radio drama, actually, by the way. Um, I'm gonna stop talking. I've about only it. seen the movie. Oh, okay. 2000, in 2005. Oh, the, is that Tom Cruise? Tom Cruise. Tom yeah. Cruise, yes. But sorry, uh, I got a little sidetracked there. But it showed that you know the aliens came, and what eventually defeated them was the common cold yeah. because they couldn't, you know, their, their immune systems. Immune, yeah. But what this is saying that we could develop drugs. So when we do eventually explore the stars and everything like that, we'll be able to be like, all right, we've discovered a new disease. This could potentially wipe out humanity if the astronauts come back with this. Yeah. Let's develop a drug whilst our astronauts are in transit coming back that will cure them when they get back to Earth. Exactly. I think that's amazing. It's cool. It's that so, is so cool. cool. But it's not just like the applications of it are so wide reaching it's in business as well yes as i hinted before um obviously you know research and development hey <laughs> you see what i did there guys very clever uh, very clever but um not as clever as a supercomputer obviously mm. or a quantum one quantum <laughs> one. forget super ones quantum ones are where it's at but as i was saying with a supercomputer if you're developing a new product you can run through every iteration and permutation of the product going wrong, every sort of material you could test. You could even come up with new molecular structures for materials. So you're getting the perfect balance between strength and, you know, uh, weight. So you'd have the strongest possible material uh, without it being uh, breaking and with it being so light. So you could see like a car being made out of carbon fiber, but you change a slight molecule with the help of a quantum computer and it's way stronger and most importantly, way lighter. Oh, so you could have cars like literally speeding at 200 kilometers oh, an hour, yeah. but then they hit a wall, but the wall breaks instead. Oh yeah, yeah, that's the thing. That's the thing. Oh and my gosh. It's funny, a lot of the stuff that I'm mentioning here, like we've been doing this before, Mm. like it, which is crazy and it's like if you think about healthcare they say um that there'll be a shift in the way that they want us to prevent things occurring like oh. disease yeah and that'll be through diet mm. so if you think about it maybe 20 30 years ago they said oh how would you prevent something you stop doing it say like uh smoking you stop smoking hopefully that'll prevent many of the you know illnesses that can occur from it but this approach isn't necessarily stopping something obviously yeah they want you to stop anything you're doing that is harmful yes. but it's actually um changing or manipulating your diet so it's giving your body the best chance 
to repair itself. Which is really cool. That is amazing. So you could have, without the use of steroids or anything like that, you could just have super athletes. Super athletes. You could have everyone, uh, this is kind of a very typical yeah. example, yeah. but being at the level of Cristiano Ronaldo oh. or, or Usain Bolt back when he broke the world record yeah. because they'd be able to eat exactly what exactly they need what to they needed. to repair their body. And That's the, amazing. The funny thing is, I just read an article on this recently. Actually, yesterday, um, it was, this is on a tangent, but it was about, it's the past, so the future <laughs> and the past, very nice, but in the, I was reading about bodybuilding in the 50s, 1950s, okay. and just how, like, the carnage their body went through, because the German, uh, German scientist, I forget his name, he invented anabolic steroids in the 30s. Yes. And in the 50s, these bodybuilders were injecting themselves with this stuff. And they were seeing crazy, like unbelievable results. You know, their muscles were getting absolutely massive. But obviously, if you're taking an anabolic steroid, your natural natural testosterone levels are non-existent because your body can't produce it yes. anymore. Because it they're binding not only to the muscle androgen receptors, but also to your testosterone receptors. So li- literally cutting them off. Oh. So the sort of havoc that they went through with their bodies to try and reach a goal mm. in the future or by 2025 through the use of AI again, you're going to see athletes being able to modify their diet based on doing a genetic scan or something using, you know, um, I think CRISPR technology where they can modify your genes, but yes. not modify them, but just actually screen through them and see exactly what your genes are made of and what foods agree with you and what don't. So like, do you need some potassium? Do you need some, exactly. you know, something? Exactly. Do you like have that? a natural tendency when you take, um, I don't know, a dairy to become lethargic? Yes. You know, so cut that out. <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> I actually, sometimes I feel quite bloated after having yes, a yeah, full yeah. fat milk sometimes. Mm, yeah. Low fat, not as much. Yes. But uh, it's funny. It's really weird how you're going to see a shift from athletes taking harmful substances like SARMs oh, yeah. or that just cause carnage mm. like short term quick gains but long term like it really bad but that you can actually achieve this pretty good results zero side effects you live way longer if you go have a good diet and that is all through the use of AI and sort of genetic analysis which is really exciting that is incredibly exciting isn't it really exciting <laughs> world records are going to be broken because of breakthroughs and technology oh it's just incredible. exactly exactly and and everything's going to be above table by the book as well oh yes because that's the thing it's it's literally what we're attempting to do now but done so effectively and so efficiently that you're just going to be able to break through any yeah. you know physical boundaries almost yeah and that's why i love my course and i think that's why you love your course as well because there's a coding element to mine, obviously not as much as yours, <laughs> but when you're coding, even though it's very, very basic, you feel like you're doing something that will be of use in the future. Exactly. Because coding, like, the past 20 years, you've seen the importance of coding has just skyrocketed. The world is built on it. It is, now. literally. And more than ever, you need to have some knowledge yep. of coding and, and being able to understand, you know, the different components of a computer yep. and stuff like that. I, I genuinely believe, and I think maybe today on the show yeah. it, it would be a good idea yeah. just to mention it, 
but I'd be a big advocate for you know some sort of uh, computer science class being taught in primary secondary schools. school, primary to yeah. secondary, you know, yeah. and then into college because I know in the UK they definitely do that. Oh, they do. Um, yeah. I'm I have a vague inkling that Germany do it, but um, I can't confirm or deny yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, but the funny thing is as well, like I always thought. You know, to be good at coding, you had to be good at maths. And I love maths. Mm. But there's so many different options out there. Oh, yes. Like you can, instead of doing a, a you know, maths-heavy programming language like Python that we do, mm. you can do something more like uh, that focuses on, you know, the actual design. Yes. Instead of the computations, which I actually think will probably be a bit more fun because you can be more creative. Even though you can be creative in the approach of a problem. Yes. But actually designing a web interface, that's really cool. And it can be so rewarding as well. Yeah. Because, you know, some people say, you know, let's say, bring it back to your example that you used earlier with the AI. Yeah. Carpentry. Yeah. You have something, you know, physical at the end of it after, you know, everything like that. And people are like, do you feel that kind of validation after you code something? Yeah. And I would say 100% oh, absolutely. I, I feel like I'm an artist. Really. Exactly. Yeah. I genuinely, I, I love that. I love that because that's exactly how I feel. When you complete something... And then it works perfectly the way you want to. No syntax errors. Yeah, like yeah, that. no syntax errors. And, yeah. and you finally achieve what you set out to do. And it looks good and it works the way And it's you efficient want. and, and it's, it's as little... Exactly. Like the whole thing about coding, I know this is a massive tangent. Actually, it isn't because it's the future. It's the future. Is trying to express something in the simplest way as possible. Mm. Like when you're coding something... If you can do it in four lines, do it in four. Like, don't take 11 lines to do the same thing. And, and that's one of the things that you have to get good at, is that you have to look at what you're coding. Yeah. And let's say, it's kind of like when you write an essay, um, to kind of put it, to give an example. Yeah. Uh, when you're writing an essay, your first draft, there's going to be waffle. Oh, totally. There's going to be waffle. And you're going to realise that you can simplify maybe even an entire paragraph into a sentence. Yeah. And that's what you have to get very good at whilst you're coding. We're you have coding. to realise that there are areas... I was going to start getting technical yeah, there. Yeah. there. There are parts of your code that you can simplify and put into each other. And, yeah. and when you realise that, it's kind of like Lego. It clicks. And you're it like, does. oh my goodness, why didn't I see that? Yeah. And it's such a nice feeling. And I, I would say it to anyone, it sounds complicated. It looks complicated. When you actually do it, yeah. when, when you try your first Hello World program, yeah. you, you're going to feel so, so joyous and so happy. Well, and yeah. you realise that it's simple. And it's logical. It's it's, logi it's, that's the exactly. thing. There's, no, there's nothing illogical about it. It's no. just logical. You're following steps. Yeah, exactly. Following steps. But a big part of why I'm doing this subject today is because... 5G interests me because obviously I have a 5G phone. Yes, yes. I have a 5G SIM ordered. Oh. So I'm excited, excited to see how fast it is. Supposedly, one of my friends in my course also has the same phone mm. and he says his 5G SIM is faster than, like, way faster than his Wi Fi. And his oh, Wi Fi is yes. pretty good. Is, is it already implemented up in Dublin, isn't it? Uh, actually, yeah. it's implemented in Galway. No yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. didn't know it, that. There's massive 5G coverage. That's brilliant. Vodafone and I'm a Vodafone. This isn't sponsored, by the this way. This is not sponsored. But they have, they're really good with their 5G coverage, I've heard. That's excellent. That is really good. It's even good. in places like Letterkenny. Oh, wow. Like, you would, like <laughs> literally, probably one of the furthest places away from Dublin. Yes. And it's there, which is great. But the great thing about 5G is 
if you think about Amazon delivery services and their drones. Yes. 4G networks probably aren't secure enough or quick enough to allow for um, some Amazon drones to fly. Yes. Because they have to be like so synced up, know exactly where to go. Mm. I even know with my um, uh, DJI drone, yes. when I'm flying it, I need a really strong connection. And that's not half as advanced as an Amazon drone. Because so you're, you're literally controlling I'm literally, that. I, I'm seeing it. Yes. And it. Whereas Amazon ones are autonomous. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. the great thing is with the 5G network, it allows for the Internet of Things to communicate so much more efficiently. And quicker. And quickly. That's the thing. So you're going to see a massive, massive increase in the next few years in uh, delivery services using drones, even for your groceries. Yes. It's a massive, massive field. And, yeah, and on top of the fact that you can, because of the latency increase and everything yeah. like that, you can have so many more devices so many more. added on. Like, oh, yes. I, I can't remember the exact statistic, but it, it, it's insane the amount of devices you could have. So even driving along the roads, using 5G and AI technology yeah. and the advancements in both of those fields, yeah. I'm seeing a feasible way to have autonomous cars. That's exactly what I was just going to get onto. Yeah, ah. autonomous cars. Like 5G is going to help that so much mm. because low latency, you know, and it's constantly connected. Yes. But it's not just uh, robotic cars. I think this is the best or the coolest way. Um, surgery will be able to be performed remotely. Yeah. Oh, wow. Because with such a low latency, yeah. obviously if you have a two second delay <laughs> and the surgeon's doing surgery with a robot... Like you've cut the A you, you, you literally like it's it's bad. Your patients are gone or like oh god, <laughs> because you just need that split second. Something can go wrong. Mm. You like, need that in instantaneous. Hum yeah, the human body, you know, in surgery is so fragile. Mm. But if you have a low latency or yeah. super low latency network like five G, imagine this: uh, the best surgeon in the world could be sitting in I don't know Dubai somewhere like that, yes. and your patient in a remote place in i'm not sure the middle of australia or somewhere in yes. the desert yeah. and there's a small little hospital but they have a robotic setup the surgeon will take control of it in dubai perform the surgery there you go that could be like amazing it's gonna it's gonna save so many people's lives and i think i think that's such an amazing thing about technological advancements yeah people always hear about you know you know, this is going to improve, you know, business efficient efficiency, yeah. everything yeah. like that, this and that. But you don't realize that how much it impacts your personal life. It does. And and even now, if obviously if we talk to our parents and yeah. stuff like that, they tell us about, you know, the, the evolution of the mobile phone, yeah. you know, the internet, dial-up internet. We can't even fathom that. No, I can't. But we're to the stage where everything is instant. Like, it's basically happening at a fingertips. Literally, yeah, it's crazy to think... Uh, yesterday I was sitting at 10 o'clock watching a live maths lecture Yes. from uh, you know, the comfort of his own home recording the lecture and the comfort of my own home obviously I prefer to be in college Yes. but it's amazing to think that these things can still be done even we can record a radio show yeah. and stream it to so many people and that's technology radio has been around for so long oh yes yeah, absolutely. But it's still developing and it's becoming still better developing. and better and That's better. the thing. Like, you're seeing that with the use of technology, 
amateur people, you know, on the radio, like <laughs> <Yes>. us. <laughs> uh, we're amateurs, believe it or not. Yeah. It comes as a surprise yeah, to most yeah, of I you, know. I can you imagine. Probably, you'd think we'd be on radio, you know, BBC Radio 1. We're not, actually. We will be, though, hopefully. But the funny thing is, we can make our own programmes about whatever we want. Exactly, exactly. Like, I could have strolled up today and said, I'm going to do the past without history. Just talk about the past, the you know, and you could talk about the future without any technology. Just literally the future, like it'll be rainy tomorrow. You know, it's oh, crazy, but that's it the beauty of technology. Mm. It people can, you know, create wealth and not just monetary wealth, but experience. You know, the wealth yes. of experience and enjoyment and doing what they love through the use of technology like if you want to be a, a radio host you don't have to be on go bfm or anything like that exactly you can make one yourself at home exactly with the right equipment and that's my final note i think it's just amazing what we can do now mm. and even more amazing what we can do in the next five ten fifty hundred years the opportunities are endless oh they are they are and they're becoming more and more open to everyone. More and more diverse. Exactly. And more and more open, which is brilliant. It's absolutely amazing. Yeah. I've I've thoroughly enjoyed that. Yeah, was, like uh, I really and I love how enthusiastic you are about it and yeah. well read about it and everything. And I'd just like to say thank you. No problem at all, Lord. <laughs> it was an excellent topic. No problem. So at there all. you go. So that was that was Dara with the the future and uh, and the future of technology and how it'll affect the twenty twenty five. I think twenty twenty five. Yeah. By twenty twenty five, the current technologies that are being developed and implemented that will benefit us in twenty twenty five. There you go. That's the first half of our show. Uh, that was topic one. It is. And we're going to listen to another song now, Dara. Do you want to say which song? We it is? are. We are. It's from a, one of my favorite movies. Our movie series, should I say? Yes. It's the Mission Impossible team. And excuse my pronunciation, but uh, it's by Michael uh, Giacchino. Giacchino, there we go. Come on, Michael, take it away.
actually had the popcorn out for that song. Uh, it was the Mission Impossible team by Michael Giacchino. A lovely, lovely. You know, the way I said that was just brilliant. Just brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. But you know, just saying his name there, he also composed the, the Incredibles theme tune. Did he? Yeah, he did. He Two did. amazing pieces of music. Very good scores. Very good scores. So, big ups, Michael. <laughs> Fair play to you. And keep it going. So... You're going to talk a bit about the Northern Bank heist. That sounds very interesting. Yeah, it's it's a continuation of kind of, you know, the, the little series I'm doing of uh, Irish kind of mysteries that have been unsolved. So that's great because this is close to home then. Exactly, yes. And another one quite close to home. Like last week we heard about Peter Bergman up in Sligo, which is very close uh, to home. Uh, but this one is up in the north um, in, in Northern Ireland. Yeah. Um, in Donegal Square in West Belfast. So, uh, Donegal Square West, sorry, in Belfast. So we're actually, we're still on the island of Ireland, which island is great. Island of Ireland. Yeah. Uh, but just to kind of give a little bit of background before I get into the, the, the entire thing, um, I'm just going to let you know that this was possibly the biggest kind of bank heist that ever took place in Great Britain. Wow. And when you think about Great Britain, you know, that that's England, Ireland, Wales, uh, Wales Northern and Ireland. And the majority of people don't live in Northern Ireland or Great Britain. They live in England. Exactly. Which exactly. is crazy. And, and considering that there are much bigger banks, <laughs> in, yeah. in, specifically in England, but also in, you know, in Wales Scotland, and Scotland. Yeah, yeah, yes, exactly. yeah. Like, the, the, for this to have taken place in Northern Ireland, it, it's quite impressive, you know. Yeah. We should be proud. <laughs> quite I'm not sure quite a feat. We'll it's say. a feat, yeah, exactly. It's it's something that I don't know. It broke a Guinness World Book of Records, yeah. But they also broke the law. <laughs> what I'd say is it deserves mention, but you shouldn't do it. Exactly, exactly. I it doesn't deserve praise. No. But you can admire the planning and ingenuity that it took. Yes, because obviously, if these people have these people happen to get away with it, mm, which most of them did, yeah, with uh, such a large amount of money, yes. you have to say, well, they broke the law, but they planned it very well. Exactly, exactly, and and you know what's weird? I always find this weird. If let's say someone breaks into your house, and and God forbid, uh, yeah. sorry, touch, touch wood, wood, touch, touch wood. wood, they don't. I touch my head. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so there's a Henry the Hoover right in front of me. But so I'm going to mention him. Yeah. So if they break through that window that's across the the, the 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 way from us, and they steal Henry the Hoover. You know, they're frowned upon. Everyone's like they're evil, despicable people. But whenever someone mentions like you know a bank robbery, a heist, you know, it instantly becomes kind of cool. I think it's because <laughs> banks are viewed in a negative light yes. by a lot of people, and you know this goes back to the tales of Robin Hood. Yes. Uh, you know, stealing from the rich are rich institutions mm. to feed the poor. Even though, obviously, these guys are keeping the money probably for themselves, <laughs> you know. Maybe, maybe their use of the money will help their local economies yeah. to grow. <laughs> yeah, so they're basically re-stimulating the economy, you know. Maybe that's why they... Now, that is a conspiracy theory yeah. and a half. They <laughs> Actually... I probably shouldn't say a conspiracy theory like this because it really did upset the the balance that was in the north. Yeah. And up, uh, you know upset both sides because there was blame thrown around everywhere. Yeah. Um, and it actually caused a lot of people to get upset. Yes. And rightfully so because if I turned around and I said, Dara, you robbed that bank, even though you may or may not have. Uh-huh, now know. that would be very impressive uh, if you sitting here beside I, me. I don't know. Having <laughs> robbed a bank at three years of age. <laughs> I don't speak English. <laughs> oh, shit. But yeah, so um, 
I'm talking about the Northern Bank Heist. That's probably the longest intro. And my French was awful there, by the way. You probably, probably Rory didn't know what I said. I, I said I don't speak English. That could have been German, Spanish. I I wasn't past French, so I'm just uh, putting it out there. Yeah, but you you, you you got through the leaving cert and here we are today. I did. Exactly. <laughs> but here we are today. We've talked about the future, but let's talk about the past. Booyaka Specifically, the 20th of December 2004, when the Northern, uh, the Northern Bank robbery heist uh, took place. And, uh, and how much was it? 26.5 million euros was stolen from the headquarters of Northern Bank in Donegal, as I was saying, or Belfast uh, in Donegal Square. Wow, that's a lot, mental. Of money. a lot of money. Um, so although the police service of Northern Ireland um, and the Independent Monitoring Commission, uh, the British government and the Taoiseach all claimed that the IRA were responsible, the IRA denied it. You'd think <laughs> that if they did it, they'd put their hands up and say, yeah, we conducted this mastermind plan. Exactly, because whether, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, that, you know, uh, this is some accomplishment yeah. to have been able to pull this off and majority of the people getting away with it. it, it it's quite impressive. And any organisation that does it, <laughs> we're going to keep that in. We are. That shows that this show, you know. It's real, it's, it's raw. It's real, it's raw. You might hear a dog bark, a cat squeal. <laughs> I was playing with a pen, I fell on the ground. <laughs> but anyways, as I was saying, it shows... That an organization, you know, they're not messing around any organization that did the, that they are a force to be reckoned with because they can plan. Yes. And get away with it. Exactly. I know this probably isn't the greatest comparison, but you know when anything goes wrong in any major comp uh, company, country in like the Western world. Yeah. Uh, this is an awful comparison, but there technically were two terrorist groups. Um, ISIS come forward and claim that. That yeah. terrorist act was then. Yeah. But in this case, like, relatively few people got hurt. Monetarily, they, you know, people took hits. Yeah. But, you know, the, the, the IRA should have just been like, yeah, if they really wanted to... Imp I know, oh, this sounds so bad. I don't it know. does, but I think people know where you're coming, coming from. from. Exactly. Like, we're, we're not advocating, we're, advocating we're, the IRA no, activity. No, obviously but we think it's awful, but yes. we're just taking an, an objective view exactly. of it and saying... You know, it's very... We're in deep water here. Yeah, I think we've dug ourselves a hole. This is really odd. <laughs> I think what we should do is just get back to the story. Yeah, yeah. You know what's really weird? We normally tread on thin ice and we do very well. This yeah. is the first time no. we've properly broken I, through. I, what I was going to say there was just literally, like, dragging me under the ice. Like. Oh, God. Oh, my God. But I think the gosh. best thing we can do is just get back to the story. Get yes. back to the story. All right, so, as I just said, the IRA... And uh, have just denounced any involvement with the thing. Uh, but in 2005, the police forces in both Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland made arrests and carried out house searches in, you know, as part of the investigation. And a sum of £2.3 million sterling was impounded at the house of a financial advisor called Ted Cunningham in County Cork. And a banker called Phil Flynn was forced to resign as the chairman of the Bank of Scotland in Ireland. Wow. Yeah. So, so a lot of people implicated. Some very high up people yeah, implicated. That's what strikes me. Exactly. But you know what's cool about this heist? I, oh my God. You know what? I'm just going to keep moving on. Yeah. But I'm going to mention this sentence. Uh, that a lot of the higher up people that were involved in this heist end, end up getting some blame or, you know, being called. Yeah. But the people, 
you know, the, I don't know how to say this nicely, but, you know, the lower end people, the people who, who took place in the actual heist itself, don't get implicated, which is kind of cool in a way. It's kind of Robin Hood-esque. Yeah, it is Robin Hood-esque, yeah. Yeah, exactly, as in, you know, the, the sheriff of Nottingham. It's different to any other heist you've probably heard of. Which exactly. Is, like, this is probably, I know you've op- only just got into it, <laughs> but it's so interesting already. I hope so. Oh my God, we've gone on so many tangents and dug so many <laughs> holes that... <laughs> Need refilling, really, with cement. <laughs> It's brilliant. Oh my god. Oh, Schweppes. Sugar, that, that tickled me. I'm sorry, Dar. But so, yes, as, as I was saying, uh, the, the chairman of the Bank of Scotland in Ireland had to resign uh, as he was uh, a director in one of Cunningham's companies, uh, uh, right? So, Cunningham was convicted in 2009 of money laundering. So, trying to, you know, money laundering is trying to get um, dirty money, which would have been the money stolen from the bank, yes. cleaning it. So called wash it. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So, then you have clean money. A great show, not going on another tangent. No. Just a quick little thing. Great show that involves money laundering. Uh, actually, two great shows, Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad, I was just about good. to mention. And Ozark, two very similar yes. shows, um, but go off in different r- route, on different routes. Anyway, going back to the thing. So the, the robbery actually affected the priest, uh, the, the priest, <laughs> the peace process um, in, in the North. It actually caused a hardening in the relationship between the Taoiseach, Bertie Ahern, uh, and Sinn Féin representatives, uh, Jerry Adams and Martin McGuinness. Whether they had a good relationship or a bad relationship before this, they didn't afterwards, anyway. So, although uh, Cunningham and several others were eventually convicted of the crimes uncovered during the investigation, nobody has actually been directly held uh, accountable for the heist. And the police investigation is still open and it remains unsolved. And that's why it's here today. So that's the background. Longest background intro ever to... But she loved it. Exactly. You loved it. <laughs> she loved it. <laughs> you, that one female listener <laughs> that Tara's referencing, you absolutely you loved, loved it. You loved it. And you'll tune in next week and the week after. <laughs> you'll become our most avid listener. <laughs> yeah. Just from that intro. <laughs> what is going on? This is the strangest episode ever. Oh my God. You'd, you'd think we'd taken something before this. Yeah, so we, haven't. we haven't. We just got a glass of water. <laughs> yeah, literally. I'm on my second glass of yeah, water, ooh, actually. Ooh, <laughs> I gotta slow down, I gotta slow down. Anyway, so the actual heist itself. So the Northern Bank, which is now called Dansk uh, Bank, uh, was at the largest retail bank in Northern Ireland, uh, with 95 branches uh, throughout uh, Northern Ireland. And it was owned by the National uh, Australia Bank, and its headquarters were at Donegal Square West in Belfast, as I mentioned earlier. It was one of four banks in Northern Ireland permitted to print its own banknotes um, in £5, £10, £20, £50 and £100. Uh, on the night of Sunday 19th of December 2004, a, a groups of armed men arrived at the homes of two employees of Northern Bank, one in Downpatrick in County Down, the other in Polglass in West Belfast. Chris Ward was taken from the house in County Down and driven to Polglass. So naturally, a very kind of thought-out process. Well, they've done their research, obviously. Exactly. And when you have hostages or you take someone, you know, hostage and stuff like that, you really want to kind of keep them all in the same place. Yes. Because if you have them, you know, in different locations, it gets a lot more complicated. It's very much like running a business and everything like that. You want everything to be streamlined. Yeah. A bit of AI intelligence would have helped them there. A bit of AI intelligence would have helped them there. 
<laughs> so yeah, so these lads basically kidnap these lads uh, and they're, they're holding them, not to ransom yet, but anyway, the gunman remained at Ward's home guarding his family, uh, whilst McMullen's uh, wife was taken from her home and held at an unknown location. So basically, these aren't very nice people who are doing this. So the masked men left on Monday morning, having, having instructed the officials uh, to report for work as normal at the bank's headquarters. So they basically went in, kind of scared them, and told them that they have to go to the bank tomorrow. Like, it'd be, uh, it's, it's very ominous, it's very threatening. It is, like, could you imagine being the bank employee that has to oh, go in Jesus. and have to act normal? Your, oh, your heart's in your mouth yeah. the entire day because you know something's happened. Yeah. You just don't know what yet. Yeah. Like, anyway, so the criminals kept in touch with McMullen and Ward using mobile telephones. So on Monday, the 20th of December, 2004, close enough to Christmas. <laughs> they had a nice Christmas present anyway. Gee, the they definitely did. You could get some good Black Friday deals with that. <laughs> I'm telling you that now. With 26 million, imagine. Into Harvey Norman. <laughs> Yeah, I'll have everything. I'll have everything in every colour. <laughs> and twice. <laughs> and twice, yeah. Double. Anyway, so Ward was uh, first told to take a bag containing one million pounds to a bus stop uh, in the nearby Queen Street, uh, where he gave it to one of the robbers. This was regarded as being a test run for the main heist in the evening. Isn't that cool? So they had a mini, mini heist. Of, and that's the, that's how yeah. big they were thinking. A million pounds just went missing. One. And that's a mini heist. So I'll continue because I keep getting sidetracked because I'm so enthused about this. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> and so McMullen and Ward remained at work after the close of business and uh, loaded crates of banknotes onto trolleys which were taken to a white van outside. The two employees were compelled to open the bank vaults by the threat that their loved ones would be killed if they did not comply. And the van did two runs to take uh, away the loot. But they're not very nice people, these No, lads. no. They're, like, they're yeah. using... They're really flexing. Exactly. Yeah, to get the money out. Exactly. They? And it's one thing threatening someone. And I, I, let, I know this is a bit weird, but let's say I threatened you. There's... there's I don't know how you'd say that there's a near chivalric thing and threatening someone else yeah but not threatening their spouse their husband or yes. wife, something like that you know not implicating uh, i know the bank employees are obviously innocent parties but not implica implicating a more innocent party that exactly. actually has nothing to do with it exactly and all you can feel is sympathy to to the you know people who were threatened yes you know exactly so yeah so anyway at around 11 o'clock in the evening, uh, Miss McCullen, uh, McMullen sorry, uh, was driven to Drumkira uh, Forest uh, near Ballina Hinch and abandoned. She found her way uh, to a house to raise the alarm and was treated for hypothermia. So she was freezing anyway. So, but, you know, in a way she didn't uh, wind up dead. Yes. Which is a great thing. So the criminals made off with a total of £26.5 million. 10 million pounds in uncirculated Northern Bank sterling banknotes. 5.5 million pounds in Northern Bank sterling notes, which were used. And 4.5 million pounds in used notes supplied by other banks, smaller cash amounts in, uh, in other currencies, including euros and US dollars. 
So the police quickly set up an investigation with 50 detectives. Wow. That's a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> One is bad enough. Exactly. 50 is loads. Could you imagine having 50 detectives oh left Oh my here? God. Like when I was younger and it's, it's the most guilt ridden my conscience has been. I was, I, I, I took a Lego piece from my friend's house. His name was George. I, I won't say his <laughs> second name. But I, I took a Lego and I was so guilt ridden that I'd taken it. That I brought it back to him. I cried and everything and confessed to the crime. But I couldn't imagine 50 detectives coming after 50 me. 50 Georges coming after you <laughs> about the Lego. Oh, my God. So, yeah. Anyway, the, the 50 detectives and the assistant chief constable, Sam uh, Kinkad, uh, commented, quote, this was not a lucky crime. This was a well-organized crime, which is a very, very true statement. High praise from exactly. actually the police force. Yeah, when you're getting when you're getting praise from the police force that are coming yeah. after you, they're, you've done something they're actually right. Saying, mm, pretty good, pretty good. <laughs> you've got us here. Yeah. So I'm going to talk a little bit about the initial responses uh, right now. So although the police service of Northern Ireland initially refused to be drawn uh, as to who might be involved, a num a number of commentators, including journalist Kevin Myers, uh, writing in the Daily Tele Telegraph, quickly blamed the IRA basically. Uh, and one senior police officer quoted in the Guardian newspaper said, quote, this operation required great expertise and coordination, probably more than the loyalist gangs possess, unquote. So a, a subtle jab that, yes, it probably was the IRA from uh, this uh, news, uh, newspaper article and the, the man that they yes. quoted. So on the 7th of January 2005, the chief constable of the uh, police service of Northern Ireland, uh, Hugh Ord, issued an interim uh, report in which he blamed the provi provisional IRA for the robbery, right? So they're going ahead, they're saying, all right, you've, done that, you've said you haven't done it, but we're going ahead and we're saying you did. So the British government uh, concurred with Ord's assessment, as did the Independent Monitoring Commission, uh, the body appointed by the Irish and British government to oversee the Northern Ireland ceasefires, right? So everyone basically is like, yes, you did it, boys, yeah. you're guilty. And... Um, However, Sinn Féin uh, denied the chief constable's claims, uh, saying the IRA had not conducted the raid and that Sinn Féin officials had not known of or sanctioned the robbery. Martin McGuinness said that Ord's accusations uh, represented, quote, nothing more than political biased allegations. Uh, politically biased allegations. Sorry, I don't want to misquote uh, Mr. McGuinness. <laughs> Uh, unquote now because Un unquote <laughs> yeah I, do, I don't want everyone to yeah, think he's <laughs> actually quoting the whole story then yeah. <laughs> this is actually just all one account from Martin McGuinness yes. I am Martin McGuinness <laughs> <laughs> oh my that would be the biggest plot twist in the world a massive plot twist uh, but no I'm in fact Rory Gorman I, I'm not Martin McGuinness uh, <laughs> you can be whoever you want to be Rory I know it's brilliant over the radio they, they can't tell no, no they can't I could be an eight armed squid monster <laughs> no. they wouldn't know no, they wouldn't know <laughs> I could be Derek Kelly. They wouldn't know. Oh, are you? I don't know. Well, You're knows? on the radio. <laughs> he may be sitting next to me, folks, but I can't. I don't know. He's on the radio. Actually, it might be Rory, you know, putting on two different voices. Oh, my Lord. That would be amazing. You know, we should try and do an episode like that. <laughs> Where I'm you and you're me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now that, another plot twist. What if you're Rory O'Gorman the entire time that you have been and I'm Derek Kelly? And we've just tricked them all. This is my... Oh, gee whiz. This is... We, this, this is, is like Tenet. <laughs> Two different movies yeah. with the same, same idea. Anyway, back to the story. So Sinn Féin basically, once again, denouncing what the IRA had already said. 
So another twist in the tale is that the Independent Monitoring Commission, as you know, helped uh, organize the ceasefire and everything like that, recommended that Sinn Féin was to be fined for organizing the heist and remarked in, in their report that, quote, uh, the leadership and rank and file of Sinn Féin need to make the choice between continued association with the support of the PIRA criminality and the path of an exclusive, ex exclusively democratic political party, unquote. Wow. So major yeah, shots being fired. That's a fire. massive, like, accusation. I know, I know. And it's just insane to think that these accusations are just flying around and everything like that. Pointing the finger at everyone. everyone. It's like the Spider-Man meme where they're pointing, <laughs> pointing the finger at each other, yeah. <laughs> People can't see, but we just both are pointing yeah. in random directions. Subconsciously, it was bang. <laughs> Yeah, so, sorry, um, go, going back to uh, uh, the, the story, uh, <laughs> the Provisional IRA issued a two-line statement on the 18th of January 2005, which denied any involvement in the robbery. Quote, the IRA has been accused of involvement in the recent Northern Bank robbery. We were not involved, unquote. Uh, despite this denial from the Provisional IRA, it was widely believed in Northern Ireland uh, especially in the unionist circles, that it was responsible, that they were responsible, basically. Uh, commentators in the UK newspapers speculated that the heist had been intended either to secure a pension fund for IRA active, uh, active service members or to support Sinn Féin's electoral campaign. Now, th these are still all speculations. We just need to, you know, th these have yeah. never been confirmed. I would just, because I don't want to get us in any trouble or anything yeah. like that. These have never been confirmed. And I'm just reading the accounts that happened at the time. I'm just recounting what was said. Yeah. These are not our beliefs or anything like that. I just yeah. I just want to make that clear because I don't want us to get in trouble. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like Likewise. seriously, yeah, exactly. So I'll just get on to the investigation and arrest very quickly. And then I'll summarize its legacy. Uh, and I think we'll leave it there. Perfect. So basically on the 10th of February, 2005, the same day that the Independent Monitoring Commission report was released, houses near Berra, County Tyrone, uh, belonging to two brothers, were searched in connection with the robbery, but nothing was found. In the Republic of Ireland, the Garda Síochána announced on the 17th of February that it had arrested seven people and recovered over £2 million, including £60,000 in Northern Bank notes, during raids in the Cork and Dublin areas. As part of an ongoing investigation, uh, um, as part of ongoing investigations, plural, apologies, into money laundering. So, what we can tell from here is the actual, the people involved in the actual robbery have basically gotten away scot-free, but the people that they've given the money to to launder are the ones getting caught. Yes. So the planning up until the heist stage was immaculate, but the actual getting rid of the money messy. Is, is messy. Yeah. And that's what you tend to find with successful bank heists. This is where they're normally caught. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> I had a massive voice break there. Sorry, that, that caught me off guard. Nothing wrong with a voice break. Everyone no. has it. Everyone has it. I think we need to normalise voice breaks more. We do. <laughs> we do. Oh, God. Anyway, basically, I, I, I go over a bit um, here about uh, Ted Cunningham and everything like that and how he got arrested um, and a few more higher-up people got arrested. Uh, but really... Um, it kind of culminates on the 12th of October with, when Garda Commissioner Noel Conroy uh, told a law enforcement conference in Dublin that he was satisfied that the money recovered in Cork in February came from the Northern Bank robbery. So basically, he, he's kind of, he's, he's, although yeah. it wasn't all, yeah. but he, he's kind of starting to 
bring it down because by the way sorry 2.3 million pounds uh, we're, I, I can't remember if I mentioned it earlier or not, but we're recovered from uh, Ted Cunningham's yes. place, yeah. uh, I, 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 that, which is a large sum of money. Uh, so basically, they, they, the, in November, the, uh, the Northern Irish Police uh, arrested five men, two in Kilcoo, County Down, and one uh, each in Belfast, Dungannon, and uh, Coal Island. Um, so in protest, crowds blocked the road between uh, Castle Whelan and Newry, uh, near Kilku, with burnt-out vehicles. It must have had a lot of cars <laughs> yeah, exactly. to burn. Wow. And the economic growth must have been huge. Yeah, <laughs> so Hugh Ord uh, defended the police action uh, as proportionate, while Sinn Féin MP uh, Michelle Gildernew uh, claimed the raids were, quote, part of a political stunt, unquote. So basically, uh, a lot more people get arrested, um, but... The only real person was Cunningham who was convicted. Yes. And there, there was uh, there was another lad called Chris Ward, but he basically uh, was allowed to walk. And um, but then it, I'm just gonna finish off with the legacy it left behind because I think that's a a little bit more interesting than yes. going through the nitty gritty of a uh, law case. Even though actually, sorry, I say that I find law incredibly interesting. It is. Incredibly interesting. I was just talking about my friend Roisin about how interesting uh, constitutional law is. And, and she was telling me all about the 1922 constitution. It's incredibly interesting. Interesting enough that I think we could do an entire episode on one. We like could do an entire series, series on, one, on it. You know? It's absolutely amazing. But I'll just finish off with the legacy. So the Northern Bank uh, announced that the heist, uh, after the heist, that it would withdraw its banknotes from circulation and issue new ones, which would have different colours, new logos and altered serial numbers. By March 2005, it had done so, meaning that the new banknotes, which had been stolen, would be hard to spend because they'd be easily identified. Yes. This left the £4.5 million in notes from the other banks and £5.5 million in old notes used in Northern, uh, in old uh, Northern banknotes uh, that were untraceable, right? Uh, so after the Good Friday Agreement of 1998 had provided a, an ending to the trouble, the, the political situation in Belfast remained tense. By the end of 2004, the different parties in the peace process were reaching agreement. But at a meeting on the 8th of December, at which Bertie Ahern, Tony Blair, Gerry Adams and Martin McGuinness were present, the Sinn Féin representatives refused to promise that the provincial IRA would stop its criminal activity. Less than two weeks later, the Northern Bank robbery again inflamed tensions, uh, since despite the, tr uh, despite the denials of Sinn Féin, the IRA was blamed by Ahern and Blair for the heist. In 2005, the UK Secretary of State for Northern Ireland, Paul Murphy, remarked, quote, I cannot hide my own judgment that the impact is deeply damaging, unquote. Uh, Mark Dun uh, Durkin, leader of the Irish Nationalist Social Democrat and Labour Party, condemned the IRA as a criminal enterprise. The IRA rejected uh, the condemnations and Gerry Adams stated, quote, the IRA statement is obvi uh, obviously a direct consequence of the Retrograde, renegade. 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 We did the renegade, renegade in the last episode. I know. So. Let's make it a thing. Yeah. <laughs> Stands. Uh, just to clarify, uh, Jerry Adams did not say renegade. No, he and didn't. Do the renegade. Oh, he didn't do the renegade. Oh, I'd love it if he did. Do you think we could get him to do it? Yeah. <laughs> Unquote. Un I should probably. <laughs> yeah, Unquote. He said that actually. Yeah, he's. <laughs> He said, said he'd love that. to get Jerry Adams to do it. Exactly. He started speaking in the third person. So, anyway, basically, to summarise and to end off, of the Northern Bank heist. Um, 
it really did damage the negotiation process in the north because as i was saying accusations were flying around it was never confirmed um that it was them uh, the, the ira them I should, <laughs> uh, it was the ira though you know even now i have a kind of an inkling that it was yes but i don't want to make any accusations or anything like yeah. that because i think it's been put to bed i think that uh, i like the fact that we're at a place in ireland now where there's relative peace, peace. and harmony there is and i don't i don't see the need for violence ever no i i'd be a very much i'd love a very much gandhi like approach to anything i ever passionately believe in. yes uh, and I think his quote, I might butcher it, but to paraphrase it in case I don't uh, say it exactly, it's that uh, there are plenty of um, things that I would die for, but there is nothing that I would kill for. Yes, very and, true. And that's my belief, personally. Yeah. Um, so yeah, on, on that note... A beautiful note. On that beautiful note, I think we should end today. Um, end today, yeah, we're going to bed now, Darren. Yeah, 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 what, like, what, seven in the evening? <laughs> We just we just showed that they told the listeners what time, well, time it is. No, it's not well, seven. It's not se- actually. It, it's the the it, clocks went forward. Or or yeah or back. No, hang on a second. If this is going out on Saturday at five o'clock. It is Saturday at five o'clock. It well no it'd be closer to six now. Oh it's yes. the end of the show. It is Saturday at six o'clock. It is. These are not the droids you are looking for. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh my lord we had a beautiful note to finish there yeah but we, and we just completely yeah, matched it yeah. <laughs> so what song are we gonna end off on there we're choosing it right now we are choosing a song <laughs> right now I right now and i think the probably the best song that we can end on is uh feeling good by michael Bublé. <laughs> all right Here's Feeling Good by Michael Bublé. I hope you've enjoyed the show. I certainly have. I don't know what's gone on here today. <laughs> Thank you, Dara. No problem. And good night. And good God night. Bless. God bless. Birds flying high you know how I feel Sun in the sky You know how I feel Breeze drifting on by You know how I feel It's a new dawn It's a new day It's a new life for me And I'm feeling good I'm feeling good Fish in the sea you know how I feel River running free You know how I feel Blossom on a tree You know how I feel It's a new dawn, it's a new day It's a new life for me 